There's an amazing set of figures that I've mentioned before in services, um, worked out a number of years ago by folks in Evangelism Explosion. Um, two different scenarios. So imagine in, in one scenario, there may be a, a successor to Billy Graham or whoever, some, some evangelist who um, is willing to go right across the world, who preaches to crowds. And let, let's imagine that that evangelist, every, every night um, when he preaches to the crowd, no fewer than 1,000 people come forward and respond. 1,000 people every night say that they want to give their lives to following Jesus. The evangelist travels, as I say, across the place. He never takes any time off, uh, no holidays. Every night he's doing this, except he's going to have to live for a long time because even at that rate, even this preaching every night, 1,000 people a night becoming Christians, it would take some 10,000 years, 10,000 years for the whole world to come to faith. And then a second scenario. In the second scenario, um, we're supposed that every Christian in the world shared their faith with someone and led one person over a year to faith in Christ. And that continued year after year. One person sharing their faith with one other person so that one person becomes a Christian every year and led to Christ. And that process continues. That way, it doesn't take 10,000 years for the whole world to become Christian. It doesn't even take 1,000 or 100 years. It's done, in fact, in 32 years. The big evangelist, the famous evangelist, the crowds, a thousand, pounds, a thousand people a night, 10,000 years. One Christian leading another friend or family member to faith in Christ, each year, 32 years. So, which of the two is more effective? And furthermore, all recent studies about how people become Christians, how people come to faith, have shown that the way that most people come to faith is via the witness of a friend or, or a family member. It's not going to meetings. It's not via church services. It's not through the minister it's not leaflets. All of these things have their place, I'm not saying don't do any of them, but it's primarily through the witness of a friend and family member that most folks become Christians. Well, as I said, I've used that illustration before, and we've been here before in terms of wanting to encourage folks to share faith. And we're going to come back to the theme of evangelism a fair bit in the coming year. Partly because, of course, it's a ripe time. I'm not sure how much lasting change there will be because of the pandemic experience we've been through. But it does raise issues and questions that life is not as secure as we thought, not as comfortable as we thought, not as untouchable as we thought. We don't manage as much or as well as we thought. And there are more questions about life and what's valuable in life, and more questions about what's beyond death. And the church must take its opportunities to, to raise these questions and pursue these questions. And there's two tools to do that that I want to mention. The first of them, uh, come and see, is something that we've um, used here in Claremont for a number of years now. And I also uh, want to uh, refer, I've not got the book with me, but to a, a series called Word One to One. 
something that I've only come across recently. Word one-to-one is materials to help us to sit down and share Scripture, in this case, John's Gospel, and to invite someone for a, for a chat and, and to look at John's Gospel together. Come and See is a shorter series. It just involves five gatherings, five meetings with someone. And the latest draft that I've done is to make it more easy for anyone, for everyone, to be able to use this with a friend or with a family member. So we're going to provide copies for you. We want you to be talking to other folk about Jesus and the materials here. The themes um, of Come and See we're also going to be looking at in the services through this month of August. Who, who is Jesus? Why did he come? How did he become a savior? What happened after that, Jesus? And so what? What is our response to that? So I want to begin as that prayer that begins with saying, who is Jesus? And as well as word one-to-one, beginning in John's gospel at chapter one, so too I want to go there um, this morning, and it's why we had Martin reading, reading that passage for us. In these verses in John's gospel, we see two main things stressed that are emphasized in this first um, meaning at come and see. Firstly, that there's a message that comes to us from beyond, from outside of us, and it's good news. And secondly, that message is about Jesus. For Christianity, you see, is not something that we make up. It's something that is given to us, revealed to us, and shown to us by God. Left to ourselves, we can have no idea about who God is or what He's like. We cannot from ourselves, from within ourselves, or from among ourselves say, right, we've now got this worked out. This is, this is who God is. People have built statues and images galore, and they do not accurately portray God. People say they, take, they experience God and, and see His touch maybe in a fantastic sunset or hilltop view, and, but that experience of something beyond us, that experience of something humanist doesn't describe to us who God is or what He wants. We just simply don't know and cannot work out who or what the Creator is like, what He wants of us, expects from us, whether He's a person at all or just simply some life force. We cannot be sure if He wants offerings, wants to be prayed to, or simply left in peace. From within creation, in fact, we cannot say very much at all about the one who is beyond creation. But that's not stopped people trying to. Philosophers and the theist tradition say God is the word for some supreme absolute being about whom we might not know very much. The deists say God made the world and set it in motion, just as the watchmaker makes a watch and winds it up and leaves it to do its thing and tell the time. A Hindu would tell you something else. A Hindu would say that he or she is God because, well, God's in everything. God's part of everything, and so on. So how do we sort all these things out? How can we, who's right? Well, in one sense, we cannot prove anything, but Christian faith rests on this claim that God has made Himself known to us and made Himself known to us in Jesus. And so, verse 3 of John 1, through Him, the Word, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. 
And this Word who has made everything, verse 3, has become one of us, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And because of that, even though we ourselves have not seen God, we can know who He is because, verse 18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. The Creator, verse 3, has become a creature, one of us, verse 14. And because this, He is both Creator and creature, He has made it known to us. He has brought God's presence to us. Try to imagine, suppose that you were in a, a totally darkened room, no light switch, and you've no idea how you got there. You've just woken up, and there you are in a completely blacked-out room. You might try and find out bits and pieces about your surroundings. You might try and fumble your way around, try and see how big or how small is this room. You'll do it all very gingerly because you're not very sure what's there and you don't want to put your hand onto something that's sharp or something that's messy. But then someone comes and makes a window, a large space, a large window in one of the walls, and light blazes in. Well, now you can see much better what's in the room. You might not see everything into every corner, but you're certainly in a much better position than you were before. But more than that, you can also see out of the window. You can see something that's beyond this limited place where you were. Well, Jesus is much like that window. He is light, verse 5 in John chapter 1. He is the one who has shone His light so that we can see more of life and what it's like understand better the place we have in this world, but also we can see outside, we can see beyond, we can see something of who the Creator is and what He's like. It's not something that we've deduced from ourse for ourselves. It's not something that we've invented or made with our hands. Rather, it is the Creator, it is the eternal God breaking into our world, shining His light into our world. The Christian faith rests on this, that it's a word of God, a word from God. And secondly, it's a message that's good news and rests entirely on the identity of Jesus. And this, come and see, leaflet, you'll see, we focus on two particular things about Jesus' claims. One, that He forgave others, and secondly, that He allowed people to worship Him. There were, in their own ways, incredible claims that He was one with God, that He was divine. That although He has come to us in the world, verse 9 of John 1, although He's become flesh and truly moved in alongside us, verse 14, He has done so as the eternal Word described in verses 1 to 3. It is the Son of God, it is the Word of God who comes and dwells among us. And He has moved in had a complete sharing of our experiences, and even tough experiences at that. The experience of being born in the poverty of a manger, having to flee into Egypt as a, a refugee when still an infant. The notoriety of being friend of tax collectors and sinners, having nowhere, he said, to lay his head, having to borrow a room for the Passover meal. It was a whole new range of experiences for the Son of God, 
to have a father and a mother, to have brothers and sisters, new relationships with disciples, with scribes and Pharisees, with Roman soldiers, with lepers, prostitutes, high priests. And he came and lived all of that as one of us, not in sublime detachment, not in ascetic isolation, but with us. And there was no large estate that gave him space, no financial cap capital to guarantee his daily bread, no personal staff to protect him from interruptions, no might to protect him from injustice. And it is the Word who did that. The eternal Son, verse 18, who did that. He was in the world, verse 10. And even though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. It's astonishing. And these are the claims that Jesus made. And as we read through the Gospels, we see many splendid things that he did, many astonishing miracles and wise teachings. But he's making it clear that it, he himself understands that this is God, he is God come in the flesh. As I say, not least because he forgave people their sins. Now, it might make sense for me to say, I, I forgive you if you steal 50 pound, pounds from me. Um, I might not, so don't try it, by the way. But, but it would make sense uh, if I said, I forgive you. But if you stole 50 pounds from somebody else, somebody I'd never even met, how could I say to you, well, I forgive you? They're over there thinking, wait a minute, I've still got 50 quid to get. But Jesus did that. Jesus didn't just say to people, I forgive you for the time that you've tripped me up, or I've forgiven you for the time that you've called me names. He forgave across the board because God could and as Jesus said to people, your sins are forgiven, so the people heard what he was saying and knew that he was claiming to be God. In a similar way, he lived in a time and a place where only God was worshipped. And Jesus allowed people to give him that kind of acclaim. And indeed, even as he entered Jerusalem on the day that we call Palm Sunday, and the scribes and the Pharisees said, this is going a bit too far, it's all a bit too much, shut them up. Jesus said, even if the people stopped, the very stones would cry out. He deserves worship. And so Jesus, then, cannot be just simply a good man. Too many people come to that conclusion, and it's an impossible conclusion. For no good man would claim to be God if he wasn't. It would not be a good thing if someone told you that your sins were forgiven if they did not have the right and the power to do so. It wouldn't be good to say to you, you can have eternal life if he did not have any way of providing that. And certainly would not be good that he would say, stick with me and I'll give you eternal life, as in fact he did. You've maybe heard people say things to you like, well, stick with me and I'll show you a good time. Stick with me and I'll show you how this is done. Well, Jesus said, stick with me and I will show you God. Stick with me and I will introduce you to the Father. 
Stick with me, and I will take you into eternal life. Now, it's not a good man who says those kind of things if he doesn't know the way, doesn't have access to the Father, cannot grant eternal life. In fact, it would be criminal for someone to make those kind of claims and promises if he couldn't deliver on them. So, in this first sheet, and come and see, and as I say, I want to be making it available when um, over time we'll build up in the others in the series, and I'd encourage you to think about sharing these with others. In this first one, there's two simple points. By ourselves, we don't know, we cannot find God, but God has revealed Himself to us. And God has come to us in Jesus, God in the flesh. For no one has ever seen God, but the, only, the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. Verse 18 of John 1. Looking back over these 18 verses in a book that he wrote as a series of studies through the Advent season, Tim Chester gives us this summary of Jesus. Jesus is the true Adam who has come to recreate our humanity. Jesus is a true God, the uncreated Creator God. Jesus is the Word through whom we hear the voice of God. Jesus is the Word through whom God created the world and through whom God is recreating the world. Jesus is the one who has been given life in Himself and so can give His life to His people. Jesus is the true light who enlightens our minds and lights up our lives. Jesus is the point at which heaven and earth intersect. Jesus is God in the flesh, deity squeezed into human form. Jesus is divine wisdom, love, holiness, justice, truth in human form. Jesus is God among us, God's address on earth. Jesus is the glory of God, the embodiment of all His perfections. Jesus is God's native language, the Word that we encounter in the Bible. Jesus is the way home to God. Jesus is the King who cares for us, the bread who satisfies us, and the light who guides us. Jesus is the radiance of God, whose glory transforms us as we gaze upon Him. Jesus is the Son of God, in whom we experience the love of the Father. Jesus is the altogether lovely one who brings us into the loving arms of, of His Father. Is that not good news? If that is true, is that not of crucial importance? If that is real, surely that is worth sharing. So, who could you tell? Who could you share with? That it is telling to, about Jesus and pointing to Jesus takes away the pressure from us of the issue about whether or not we are good enough. We're, Christians are not saying we're better than any others. We're not saying that we know more or are cleverer than anyone else. We're simply saying, look to Christ, for this is who He is. For God has not left us 
scrambling around in the dark. He has shone His light into the world. And that light is the one who gives us eternal life. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank You for the life and for the love of Jesus come among us. Help us to know Him better, to better grasp and focus on all He is, to us, and all He offers us in love. Amen.